They were there when history was made. Tour is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Tour. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! The Sports Tours dusts off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Go crazy. Now, here's Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rock and Tours, the show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half century or so of American sports. Everyone remembers the great movie Rocky from the 1970s. It tells a rags-to-riches story of an unknown boxer named Rocky Balboa who gets a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship as an incredible underdog. He doesn't win, but he goes the distance and even knocks the champ down. Sounds almost unbelievable, right? But actually, the movie was patterned after today's guest, Chuck Wepner, who fought Muhammad Ali and actually knocked him down. You'll meet Chuck Wepner today, along with a couple of guys who know him well. All that and Upton Bell's look at the problems in the world of horse racing. So here's the question. How did a liquor salesman from Bayonne, New Jersey, come to inspire three movies, including maybe the best boxing movie of all time, Rocky? Chuck and the Brawler, and at least one documentary, The Real Rocky. Chuck Wepner, could you have ever imagined this in your wildest dreams? Well, you know, when you start out in boxing, uh, I boxed a little bit in the Marine Corps, and then I boxed it. Afterwards, of course, you always you always look to do do something uh, extraordinary or something good, and uh, it worked out great for me, you know. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I envisioned it. You know, you start out, and you... In 1965, when I won the New York and East Coast National Golden Gloves and turned pro, I envisioned maybe someday getting a shot at the title, and then uh, I did. I was I was on a nine-bout winning streak, and um, and then I got my shot. my manager hooked up with uh, with uh, Don King, mm-hmm. and uh, we worked our way through. We we beat a couple of we beat Ernie Terrell, the world champion, WBO champion. Uh, in Atlantic City, and uh, Manuel Ramos, and uh, a couple of big names, and they were looking for a white guy, to be honest with you. That's what they were looking for. So um, I, I, I fought, I won, and uh, I got my shot. I think you're exactly right. They're looking for a white guy, the great white hope, and all that kind of thing. But I think you were a real inspiration for a lot of people just like the Rocky movie, in the sense that people were kind of rooting for you because you get hit, you were known as the Bayonne Bleeder, I, and, you, and yet you were uh, you persevered. Was that what made you good in boxing? Is the fact that you, you just persevered and you could you could work through whatever uh, happened to you in the bout? Yeah, that was just about it. You know, I was a tough guy. I always uh, always played sports. I played a lot of basketball and uh, uh, other sports, and uh, I was in great condition all the time. I was never a great fighter. I just how good are these guys? You might say. You know, uh, I could take a punch. I was never down or out. And, and uh, except for Ali in the 15th round, and I got up from that. But uh, it, uh, it's the fact that I was in great condition, and I used to wear these guys out. I had guys that were better fighters than me. You were in great shape. I remember that thing. And I think people, you know, might have forgotten about that because they just remember uh, all the blood and all the stuff and kind of being gutsy and so forth. But that that incredible shape probably uh, was the thing because you could outlast people and stuff, and you had a, and you had a good punch. Let's face it. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I, w- I was a great punch. I, I had a little better than fifty percent by knockout. But you got to remember too the people that I fought. You know, I fought three guys ranked in the top ten in the world. You know, it uh, it paid off my conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. And and these fights, 
What was going on in your mind? Because you knew the quality of the fighters you were going up with were incredible. And even getting in with Ali, I, I watched that last night as I knew uh, we were going to talk today. And, you know, you, I, I could feel it for you. I mean, you're going up against Ali, who's a mythical figure at the time. And there was a point in the fight where, you know, he's going to get beat. He's going to get beat. He wins a come. And then all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this guy's hanging in there. And then you knocked him down. It's incredible. Yeah, that was a good punch. So that people say, some people say I stepped on it, but I never stepped on it. So I hit him with a right hand under the heart. He was pulling away from the punch. Maybe he's a little off balance. But I dropped him, and he, he admitted that later on. And, uh, you know, of course, they, the, his corner had Drew Bundini Brown and uh, all the big names. And in my corner, I just had Al Braveman and uh, uh, Billy Presence, uh, my corner man. So, um, you know, after the fight, he said, though, I wouldn't want to meet Chuck Weston in an alley. He's the toughest guy I ever fought. You know, that's great. I mean, um, him making that statement is about as close as you can get to winning. <laughs> to winning. I mean, that was just a – and what a great thing to kind of have uh, your entire life. You think back of it, you know, and, yeah, you, you you had the champ on the ropes. What a, what a deal that is. Yeah, well, I plan – that's how I plan to fight him. I, I plan to press him, make him get, get into the later round, and I figured probably he'd wear out because he, uh, you know, he was taking me lightly. And uh, it, it worked, you know. He, I, I pressed the fight the whole time. Of course, you know, if Ali dances around a ring and throws four or five punches, he wins the round. It's Muhammad Ali. I knew that I'd have to either knock him out or just beat him decisively. And uh, it almost worked, you know. Yeah, that's great. Now, the following year, Rocky comes out. Uh, were you aware about, the, about that movie at the yeah. time or what was going on, what they were trying to yeah. show? Yep, uh, the following year, well, you know, here I just went 15 with Ali, and uh, I was a talk of the country, and uh, I was partying, you know, and I got a call from uh, one of uh, Stallone's uh, producers for the movie, and he said to me, Chuck, he says, uh, we're going to be premiering Stallone's movie, Rocky, and I knew that, you know, there was a movie coming out. He said, you know, you're the inspiration for it. I said, yeah, well, that's what they say. He says, I want you to come over to New York and come to the premiere, of Rocky, and uh, I did that. I went to New York. I uh, I went to the premiere. A lot of people recognized me uh, because I am local New Jersey in New York. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Diana Ross was sitting two rows in front of me. And there was a lot of big stars, a lot of big celebrities there for the premiere. Um, and uh, afterwards, they stood up and gave me a standing ovation in the uh -huh. theater. And... Um, because by that time everybody knew who I was, where I was getting around, and uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty great. You know, it just uh, I, I was amazed with the movie. You know, I thought the movie might be here was being made by a, an unknown actor, really, and uh, a guy who had been in the business a long time but never really did anything outstanding, Sylvester Stallone. And as the movie progressed, I said, you know what, this is a pretty damn good movie because it was off. Off of what he's really like. So long as a sharp guy, very, very slick and everything else. And, uh, you know, he was playing a sort of a down and out pug, which I was. You know, I wasn't down and out, but I was a, an unknown guy, even right days in the world. Um, I wasn't known like one of the one of the big top guys in the world. And uh, here I was getting my shot. And uh, like I said in the movie, uh, I just wanted to prove that I belonged in there that night, and I think I did that. More with heavyweight boxer Chuck Wepner in just a moment. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. Place to go is baseball cards and bobbleheads, where they are always buying. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call baseball cards and bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. All of our interviews with some of the greats from the world of sports can be found on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, and iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network.
If you love great sound, you'll love Oont Speakers. Introducing their new sports action line, created especially for water sports. Meet Troy, one of the idea guys. When you combine the tech along with these killer new designs, having it by the pool at home or by the hotel, can't go wrong. Be seen, be heard. Go to theoonts.com. That's T-H-E-O-O-N-T-Z dot com. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case. (laughs) Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. Well, maybe I am. If you're buying a diamond ring for your wife, it's not cool to be cheap. If you're buying airline tickets, it's very cool to be cheap and called Trip Amigo, where you can fly anywhere in the world and save up to 75% on over 500 airlines and 300,000 hotels, plus rental cars and vacation packages. Visit family, friends, or go on a -a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Go ahead. Be cheap. We have special fares we're not allowed to publish when you book your airline reservations with trip amigo you'll spend your travel money when you get there not by getting there call trip amigo now and mention the travel code amigo and save even more call trip amigo now 800-772-4165 800-772-4165 that's 800-772-4165 now, let's return to Sports Rockin' Tours on Talk Media Network. Here is Stephen Maggi. We are back with boxing legend Chuck Webner, who was nicknamed the Bayonne Bleeder. You ever have people uh, come to you afterwards, you know, from even to today, and say, like, wow, you really were an inspiration to me because... It, it, it's tough, you know. Boxing is one of those sports, particularly in the heavyweights, where if you're not in the, you know, the, the elite group of that, it's really hard to get in there. And uh, you know, the odds are, are so great against you and stuff. And to have somebody like that, that hey, you know, if if you're in the the right shape and you're really committed, anything's possible. Well, you know, that was the first and only fight I ever trained in a camp. I used to work during the day. Uh, run in the morning, work all day, and then go to the gym at night. That's the first and only fight 
I ever trained full-time for where I went away to camp. Don King sent me up to camp uh, with some good sparring partners, and I got a lot of rest, and uh, I got myself into terrific shape, and uh, that, that, I think, made the difference. I mean, even today, I, everybody uh, that sees me, I mean, I drive around. You know, I live well. I'm working for a liquor company here 52 years, my wife and I, and uh, she got 22 years, and I got 52, and... Uh, I uh, I live well. I drive big cars. I uh, lease a new Lincoln Continental every couple of years. I always had big, gorgeous cars. I like to spend money. I like to go out and have a good time. And uh, my license plates, which were given to me by the governor in the state of New Jersey, Governor Hughes, mm-hmm. in 1976, say champ with boxing gloves <laughs> on the back. And they're the only place like that in the United States. And um, it's... Uh, it's a great feeling. You know, people beep, yay, champ, champ. And most people call me champ, uh, but uh, a lot of people call me Chuck. I don't really care what they call me. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things, though, as well. A lot of people have this idea, because of the Rocky thing, that, like you say, down and out and stuff. And that's what I think is great, and I'm glad you brought that up. You've really had a good life that that hasn't wrecked you. You didn't go out and spend every cent you have, and you've got, you know... You, like you say, you really have had a great life. We were able to do that, but you also were successful in business because you're still doing this. You know, and like you say, you're, you're, you're driving great cars and you're living a great life, happily married. What a deal. Uh, I got uh, had two condos, one here in Bayonne, a beautiful condo worth about three three 350000 I have another one in Hollywood, Florida, which is worth about 250000 So I go back and forth whenever we can but uh, because the job is very very busy. I, I do a lot of, uh, my wife does twice what I do, but she's a, she's a star with the company now. But for 52 years, I've been selling liquor, and it's been good to me. And uh, I'm very happy that I'm still there. And uh, it's called Allied Liquors, which is the biggest liquor company in the state of New Jersey and the fourth or fifth biggest in the country. Now, you know, in addition to Ali, people might not realize you fought some other champions like Sonny Liston, George Foreman, and Ernie Terrell. Uh, talk a little about those fights. What was, like, Liston like? Uh, I know he was considered a brawler, a nasty brawler. He was. He was. He was a, wasn't a nice man. They said the only people he liked were kids. But uh, I, I was undefeated, and I figured, let me, yeah, let me take a shortcut. At a big time, Sonny Liston was available. He had just lost the fight to Muhammad Ali for the title, and uh, I fought him in the Jersey City Armory, but uh, I wasn't ready for him. My, like I said, my 12 pro fight, and Sonny Liston was a seasoned veteran and tremendous puncher. He was, uh, he's still to this day one of the top two or three knockout punches uh, of all time, and uh, he busted me up a little bit. You know, I got uh, 71 stitches, a broken nose, and a broken left cheekbone, and uh, I was still in there, still the aggressor. As a matter of fact, the end of the ninth round, Barney Felix, the, the referee, said he was going to stop the fight. And I Barney, let the fight go. I one more round, I'm good. He said, well, I don't think you can see. As I can see. He said, well, how many fingers do I have up? I said, well, how many guesses do I get? <laughs> uh, he said, you're a real comedian. So I came out for the 10th round, and uh, the doctor stopped it. The doctor stopped it uh, with a minute and 20 seconds to go in the 10th round. And suddenly uh, that's the one on a TKO. But he also said afterwards, he says, that's one crazy guy, man. I <laughs> everything I had, and I couldn't even hurt him. But that wasn't true either, because he hurt me. You can, yeah. you know, the broken nose and left cheekbone and not 71 stitches. That I'm pretty sure he hurt me. <laughs> well, 10 rounds with Listed is quite an accomplishment. What about George Foreman? What, what's with you with these great punchers? I mean, Foreman, wow. George, you know, we, we figured we'd do the same thing with George, too. We'd take him into the later rounds and maybe get a chance to stop him, because he... Uh, you know, he, he was a big, strong guy. I remember the first round, I was like an intimidator in a fight. I would go out there and I would hit a, hit a guy with my shoulders, bull a guy, push him back, you know. And with Foreman, I ran into him. It was like running into a brick wall. And uh, I said to myself, oh, I'm going to have to outbox this guy. And uh, I wasn't really a good boxer. I was a brawler. And he he hit me in the third round. I never even felt it. I never even felt the punch. I thought it missed me. But when I got back to the corner, my manager, I, who was probably the best cup man in the world at that time, Al Braverman, he said to me, Chuck, I can't stop this cut. He says, uh, I'm going to have the referee stop it. I said, what are you talking about, Al? You can stop it. You're the best. He says, not this one, Chuck. He said, he sliced it wide open. He says, 
stitches. You gotta have forty or fifty stitches there. Well, it wound up being seventy-one oh. inside and out. And uh, the referee came over and yelled, says to the ref, because the ref looked so, and he said, "Well, that's a bad cutout. I can't stop it." And they stopped the fight at the end of the third round. I was really just warming up. I was a late starter, but I'll tell you, Georgia, Georgia was a terrific and great fighter, and uh, we become great friends since then because we. We sat together at Muhammad Ali's 70th birthday party down in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. We spent two days together. Uh, he'd, uh, Bob Arum invited all the guys who fought Muhammad Ali down to Ali's birthday. They had 2,000 people there in a grand ballroom. And uh, George and I sat together for two days, and we, we made, made good friends. I love George Foreman. He's a class guy, and uh, he was a great champion, too. Yeah, I think it's great that you got along. Foreman became somewhere along the line because he was he was bitter in the beginnings, but he became a great guy at some point, which really allowed him to fight longer. And like you say, I think that's just fascinating that you didn't even really feel it, and that's the kind of damage that can be done. It's like wow, it shows you why boxing is just so tough. Oh uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough sport, but uh, you know what I like about boxing? It's a one man sport. You against the other guy. You don't have to depend on the rest of the team to, to make sure they do well. You're on your own. You train hard. And if you want to win, I won a lot of fights against guys that were better fighters than me just because I had the will to win and, uh, and the condition, of course. And uh, I remember early in my career, um, I think it was my sixth and seventh fight, I fought Gil Clancy's two rising, rising stars um, he had in his uh, stable over at Sunnyside Garden. There was Forrest Ward and there was Ray Patterson, Jr. These two kids were undefeated uh, side by side. And uh, I fought um, uh, Forrest Ward first. He was a Pan American Games champion, and I beat him in Sunnyside. And then, as the story goes, Gil Clancy got pissed off because I beat one of his top young guys. And he says, well, you beat Patterson. Now you got, I mean, you beat Forrest Ward. Now you got to fight Ray Patterson, who was like the star of the thing, and I beat him also back to back within four months. And Gil Clancy said afterwards, he said, I don't believe this Wepner guy. I never heard of him, and he, he wiped out half my stable because he had four top fighters. He wiped out half my stable in four months. More with Chuck Wepner in just a moment. Make sure to search for Sports RACX wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Manji nationwide on the Talk Media Network. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Admittedly, a film with Joe Mantegna, Joan Allen, Ben Kingsley, and Lawrence Fishburne is hard to classify as an indie. Searching for Bobby Fischer, a captivating sports film about chess, may be better suited for the wonderful but overlooked category. In the 70s, everyone was fascinated by the enigmatic American world chess champion Bobby Fischer. A child chess prodigy, Fischer became a true American hero before renouncing his citizenship and his championship title and ultimately surrendering to his debilitating mental demons. Although Fischer hovers in this film, in newsreel footage, like a cautionary guardian angel, this is not his story. Instead, we find the true story of Josh Waitzkin, a Brooklyn-born seven-year-old chess phenom, raised by a caring family and mentored both by a dower by the book traditionalist and by an unorthodox street chess player and hustler. As Josh enters the twisted world of junior championship play, the effect of his gift on those around him, the sport-like thrill of competition, and the unsettling question of whether genius should be developed at any cost to a child's well-rounded future all combine to bring this film its brilliance. Never has a film about chess been more compelling. This is that rare bird, a film for all ages, perfectly crafted with intelligence-worthy questions and an enjoyable ride. Searching for Bobby Fischer, not in theaters, discovery through rental. If you love great sound, you'll love Oont speakers. Oont has been making great speakers for over 30 years, and now they've developed these cost-effective, great-sounding Bluetooth speakers. Meet Troy, one of the idea guys. Hey, Troy, how can I get these? With two-day free shipping, go to theoont.com, T-H-E-O-O-N-T-Z.com. Be seen, be heard. Go to theoont.com. That's T-H-E-O-O-N-T-Z.com. 
The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800 437 Welcome back to Sports Tours. Here again is Stephen Maggi. You are listening to boxer Chuck Webner, who today is very successful in the liquor sales business. You know, when you, when you were fighting, too, uh, boxing was primarily African-Americans and so forth. And yet, uh, I only hear good things from people. And do you think part of that was because they knew that, uh, again, you were in great shape and you, you would fight as far as you possibly could? You were for real. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd say, and I'll tell you what, I had the respect of the boxing community, too, because everybody knew that I gave 110% in the ring. I would... I never lay down or quit. I don't know how many times uh, I was really busted up and uh, bleeding and everything. I came back to win the fight. You know, blood never bothered me. Used to bother the referee and the doctor once in a while, but it never bothered me. So I knew that, uh, you know, I'm um, Ukrainian, uh, Belarusian, German, and a little Polish. So we have those high eyebrows, and they cut pretty easy. And uh, like I said, in my career, I had 328 stitches over my eyes and in my mouth. I had 26 in my mouth. That, those really hurt to get those stitched up because they got to stitch the inside of your mouth. And in them days, all they did, they put some ice on you. They didn't have all this fancy stuff. Now. They put some ice on you, brought down a swelling, and then just stitched away. Wow. You know, boxing in general, anybody that's that's done it for a while, you see some people there, they're shadows of themselves later on. That hasn't happened to you. You had all this fighting. You you took some beatings. Like you said, everybody knows you as the Bayonne bleeder and all that kind of thing. Was that something you were always checking with your health and so forth? And again, does that go back to really being in this incredible shape where you can take that kind of pounding? I think that's what it is, the incredible shape. I trained hard because, like I said before, I knew I wasn't a great fighter, and I knew I was going to be fighting guys that were better than me, but I figured if I could just get myself in a great shape and stay that way, I could out-gut them and just wear them down, and that's how I how I got most of my wins. You know, I uh, I always, always trained hard. I always put a little extra in, and uh, a lot of times it was hard because, I was uh, I was tired, you know, you run in the morning, you come home, take a shower, go to work all day, and then go to the gym afterwards. But uh, it was a blessing when we met uh, Don King, and he sent me away to camp for seven weeks. And, boy, I tell you, I, was, I felt like I'd, I could run through walls when I uh, went into that fight with Ali. I was, I was prepared. You certainly were. There's no question about that. A couple of things 
the battle with Andre the Giant. People have asked me, was that uh, whole match scripted and so forth, or was that for real? Because uh, you know, that was um, people still talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, Andre is such a great guy. I got to know him. It, it was it was a little scripted. You know, I uh, I wasn't supposed to throw punches at his head. I was just but he weighed five. We we went in for the weigh in with Brett Musburger from CBS. Um, I got on a scale, and I weighed 228 pounds, just exactly what I fought for the title at. He got on a scale, and they had to get, bring in another scale. We had it <laughs> wait about two hours. They had to bring in a meat scale from a local butcher, and he uh, he weighed 525 pounds. And uh, the guy was immense, immense, but a nice guy. You could never meet a better guy than this guy. And... Uh, uh, I enjoyed the fight. You know, that night, Ali fought Inoki in Japan. It was a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ali and Inoki were TV'd in, and we fought live in Shea Stadium. We had almost 18,000 people. Because Andre the Giant was a big name, and uh, everything went fine. Hey, and that's not the biggest guy I fought. I fought Victor the Bear twice. Uh, eight and a half foot tall, 1,250 pounds uh, for charity. You know, in my day... You didn't sidestep anybody. We, it wasn't like now where they watch the kids and get them 20 or 25 wins until they're prepared and ready. In my day, you just went in there, and if there was somebody to fight, you fought the guy, and uh, that was it. Well, you're right. It is a different world. There's no question. So my last question is this. If somebody hears you and they want to get into boxing, okay, and uh, they know it, it's a, it's obviously a different sport than it was when you were fighting, but they, the, the guts of it are still there and so forth. Is there anything advice you would give them and so forth? I mean, obviously, I guess number one would be go into every fight in the best possible condition. I'm guessing that. Right, you you have to. Otherwise, you're gonna wind up punchy, like you just said before. You know, you're gonna wind up getting hurt and for the rest of your life. In the meantime, I I fought uh, Ali 45, 46 years ago, and I'm just as sharp as I ever was. And uh, you know, I do a lot of interviews and a lot of appearances, and uh, it's uh, it, it's a sport, like I said before, that. Uh, you have to be in shape to be a fighter because the average guy um, can't go two or three rounds. Every second win, you two or three three minute rounds is a long time, especially when you're fighting somebody that's tough. Oh yeah, and just being able to move and so forth. Chuck, what a pleasure! Uh, great talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing your your wonderful history, and I'm just so happy for all your success. What a what a great way to look back all these years and know that. Uh, Unlike so many other people in that really interesting sport, you're really a true success. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Did you, by the way, did you see the movie Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> that, Great you, movie, isn't it? Yeah. Ray Schreiber did a tremendous job, and Naomi Watts. Matter of fact, my wife's right now here now sitting at the other desk in our mm-hmm. office in our condo. Uh, Naomi Watts. Played my wife in a movie. Man, did she get it right? She played it right, right <laughs> on the head. And, uh, you know, it's uh, like I say, it's been a great life, and uh, I hope I'm around for a few more years because now I'm 82 years old. But uh, it's, it's been great. It's been great talking to you, too, Steve. Thank you so much for the interview. Time now to learn a little bit more about Webner from two close friends. First, let's get the story of the Ali fight from someone in Ali's camp. With us, Gene Kilroy. You know him. He was a close confidant of the great Muhammad Ali and a good friend of the show. He's always on, and he's been kind enough to join us to talk a little about Chuck Webner. Now, Webner has been identified as the real-life Rocky, but I want to know from you, Gene, what was the process for selecting him as an opponent for Ali? Was there any similarities to what we saw in the movie with Apollo Creed and all that? No, it wasn't. You know, timing is everything. But, you know, let me just say something first. You know, I I love Chuck, good guy. You've got to realize anybody that fought Ali became famous. Anybody that fought Ali fought their best fight. Anybody that fought Ali made their most money. It was a big plus for anybody. I mean, Chuck fought List, and nobody even talks about that, but it's all about Ali, the same with anyone who fought Ali. They all became famous, so 
you know, Chuck is a good guy and a good fighter, and that was Chuck's best fight that he's ever fought was against Ali. Well, that's right. Well, it was the first bout that Ali had after the Rumble in the Jungle. Everybody wonders, was this supposed to be just an easy fight and it caught him by surprise, or what was well, it from Ali's Well, you side? know, Ali, we talked about that many times, Muhammad Ali, and he said, if you fight a Chuck Wepner, you, you, you pace yourself. If you fight a Joe Frazier, you pace yourself, you know. You study your opponent. Ali was his own trainer, his own, you know, he did his own thing. But getting back to Ali, you know, I wanted him to retire right after Zaire Africa. Just get out of it. But fighters, you know, they beat everything but the heavy bag and father time. You know, they come up, fight Chuck Webner at $2 million and, yeah, well, he admits it. It was one of those things that his goal was, just like in the movie, his goal was kind of to see how long he could stay there. And, uh, you know, I, they always said that Ollie didn't do much training for this fight. No, he didn't. He took a pretty light, you know, like, you know, Chuck wasn't a, a big threat to him. And they always say Chuck knocked him down. And if you look at the picture, you'll see where Chuck stepped on his foot and hit him. You know, it was just one of those, one of those things. But Chuck became famous of knocking down Ali. Well, there wasn't any point then in the fight where Ali thought he could lose, was there? No, you know, it's uh but it, it's like, you know, like I said, everyone fought Ali, they fought their best fight. That's the way it was. Everybody fought Ali their best fight from Frazier to Foreman to Norton to Lyle to Chuck Webner. More with Ali's closest friend and business manager, Gene Kilroy, in just a moment. You are listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Mangy, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Want to be a movie producer? Faith Wins is an exciting new screenplay. It's a rags-to-riches, back-to-rags, back-to-riches, onward-to-redemption story. Written by longtime comedy greats Rich Natoli and John Pate, Faith Wins is the feel-good story of the year, with proceeds of the film to benefit homeless people and homeless animals in Las Vegas. But we need your help to get the movie made. Go to GoFundMe.com and type in Faith Wins in the search box. GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. Homelessness is a big, big problem in the U.S. Let's put the spotlight where it belongs and make a real difference together. Go to GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. We can do this because Faith Wins. 
You're listening to Sports Rock'em Tours. Now, here again is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Rock'em Tours. You are listening to Ali Close Confidant, Gene Kilroy. Well, what did you think of the movie Rocky? Because, you know, obviously the Apollo Creed character was really a, a portrayal of Muhammad Ali. That was the idea. Well, let, you, me, like, let me tell you my theory of the Rocky movie. White people, I'm sure, were tired of seeing black fighters champions. So in comes Sylvester Stallone. He shot that to everybody, and then finally he sold it. And, uh, you know, they said, well, it's a good story, but we don't want you playing. You can't even talk right. <laughs> so finally he got a, you know, someone went in and did the story. And Scotty Brothers, and, you know, they did the movie, I have the, the music, I have the tagger. Right. And then... People were going to the movie theaters and cheering just like it was a fight. Isn't part of that the boxing just lends itself well to to movies? I mean, it really does because it's just one on one, and you can. It's a little different than a kind of a team sport or that kind of thing. Well, you know, you say uh, football has a sudden death. You know, ba- uh, basketball uh, an extra quarter. You know, uh, baseball extra innings yeah, but boxing you know boxing is, a, is should be the sudden death you know you you have a guy trading wants to kill you but you put your kids i remember when i went in the dressing room when ollie was fighting george foreman in zaire africa i went in there and dick Sadler's walking around there and archie moore and i feel death in the air and george foreman screaming i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna kill him and I went back to Ali. He said, what are they saying back there over there? I said, well, uh, George Woman's talking, putting your kids in an orphanage. I didn't say use the word kill. And uh, and Ali said, oh, I can't wait to get him. And Casamata was so helpful in telling Ali how to fight him. You know, the, the, he's a big, strong guy. And your first punch must be with bad intentions and go right to him. You know, Cus, to, to me, Cus was the genius of boxing. Well, last question then, Gene. Have you interacted with Chuck throughout the years? You know, it seems like you know all these guys and so forth. Yeah, Chuck's a good friend of mine, good guy, great guy. You know, Chuck came up. We have mutual friends out here. There was a lawyer out here by the name of John Mammoth. He and his brother Joe. They grew up with Chuck, and John and Joe has a sister and nun. They all grew up together, you know. John was a big famous lawyer. He he did have a picture of Joe Lewis there, Rocky Marciano. He had a big picture autographed him of Chuck Webner. Thanks, Gene. So Gene Kilroy says that Ali wasn't really knocked down by Webner, but instead he tripped. Let's ask one of Webner's closest friends, one of the great sports writers in America today, Jerry Eisenberg, who is the author of Once There Were Giants, The Golden Age of Heavyweight Boxing. So Jerry, was the knockdown legit? You can argue either way about whether Ali tripped over Chuck's foot or Chuck tripped him or whether it was a clean knockdown, but he was on his ass. But after the fight, I told him, listen, Chuck was a liquor distributor. He would, you know, he would represent different liquor companies, go around to the bars, and Bayonne had a few of them. I said to him, listen, take that picture and make it your business card. With Ali on the ground and you in the air, and uh, <laughs> uh, he did it. He sold a lot of liquor that way. Uh, Willie Gersenberg was a um, old school, old type fight promoter. He promoted a couple of Chuck's fights, and he wanted, he felt there was money to be made here, so he wanted to get Chuck named. Well, first of all, he got Chuck the title fight by going to the five and ten. And taking out one of these, well, you're filling the name uh, like the grammar schools give you for good penmanship and stuff. <laughs> and he made it the North American Heavyweight Championship. He signed it. He sent it to a guy named Brennan, who was a ratings guy in the NBA, WNBA then, or WABC, whichever it was. And that's how Ali got to fight, because they weren't going to, they said, we can't approve him to fight Ali. When they got this phony baloney certificate in the mail, Brennan, who at his own agenda, said, okay, let him fight. And that's how he got a world title shot. But a good uh, Tom Lucci, who was our basketball writer and our football writer until he retired, he was a young guy going to Rutgers. And he and his buddy go to a bar and around, and, 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 you know, one of these down the shore, Jersey Shore bars where everybody goes in the summer. 
and and around these places. I gotta urinate. I can't hold it. I can't. So we just go behind all these cars. So he's urinating on the tire of a car, and he looks up and there's Chuck Webber. And Chuck says, "You know that's my car." <laughs> and the kid says, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." Before he was about to faint, and Chuck said. Listen, kid, don't worry about it. Well, you got to go. You got to go. That's New Jersey. That's Chuck. I got to tell you another story. Chuck doesn't mind because uh, he treated his first wife with respect, and his second wife is a wonderful woman who who's still with him today. But the first wife was with him when he fought Ali. And he goes, he tells her, this is in Cleveland, of all places. And he says, listen, go down to Dayton's apartment store. Pick out the sexiest negligee there is there. Because tonight you sleep with the heavyweight champion, all right? <laughs> he loses the fight. He comes back to the room. She's got the negligee on. She's sitting on the edge of the bed. She says, Chuck, how does this work? Do I come here? Does she come here or do I go there? Oh, I'll tell you, I love this guy. I love this guy. And if you're going to send him a tape, make sure that's on it because yeah. I want him to know it. Chuck is a guy who really... I'll put it to you this way. If I called Chuck at 2 o'clock, I used to smoke a pipe, okay? I don't know. If I called Chuck at 2 in the morning and said, Chuck, I got to have this tobacco, man. I got to have it. 2.30, he'd be knocking on my door. <laughs> That's incredible. With the tobacco. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry Eisenberg, by the way, is a member of the National Sportscasters and Sportswriters Association Hall of Fame. It's not just boxing that's controversial. These days, the sport of horse racing is in peril. Let's talk with our own Upton Bell, a regular contributor to this show and author of Present at the Creation. I mean, you go back into the 30s or 40s or 50s, I mean, horse racing was big in this country. Oh, yeah. And, and the Triple Crown was really big. And we have, you know, great movies like Seabiscuit, the, the story of, of, of the Colts that came from nowhere to, to win. And, you know, the, the, the movie in the life of Secretariat. But on the other hand, all of these other racetracks, how many horses died? How many horses uh, basically were run into the ground, you know, fed all sorts of drugs to keep them running? Well, do you uh, think the, they need a commissioner or somebody like your dad was or maybe Judge Landis or something to come in and really say, all right, we're going to clean this thing up? And Or or has the time of horse racing just passed? Because that does happen as well. Well, I, I think in, in, the, in the case of horse racing, and it's been brought up before, Steve, your point that horse racing needs a commissioner. And yet, on the other hand, it's never happened. And many people say the tracks are all like individual entities. It's not like being part of the NBA or the NHL or the NFL uh, or Major League Baseball. It's really a, a series of tracks all over the country. Now, one time, there, there, there was a racetrack every two blocks. Now, of course, the, the whole business of horse racing has gone way, way back. And, uh, you know, again, uh, animal rights activists, you know, really feel that this has been a, an abusive sport for years, and now it's getting uh, more calls for it to be abolished. I don't think it'll ever be abolished, but I think it's totally dead as a sport. In fact, if you didn't have the Triple Crown, would you pay any attention to it? And by the way, the ratings keep going down and down and down for, for the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Kentucky Derby is one of them. I watch them just to see what the hell is going on. And it's interesting in that a lot of people complain, including myself, that since it was still under investigation and still is the Derby and what's going to happen uh, with the horse, they let the horse run. Even though Baffert agreed to stay away from the Preakness, they let him stay and, and let the horse in the Preakness. Well, if you were suspended in the NHL or the NBA or the NFL, and it said three games, let's say, you you would be suspended for three games. But there was no suspension as far as the Preakness was concerned. And why? Because they wanted the horse that won the Kentucky Derby. They wanted Medina Spirit uh, as, as a drawing card. Well, they got him. Thanks, Upton. 
Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Maggi. Have you been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma? Did you spend your life working hard in a shipyard or in the railroad industry? Were you a pipe fitter in the oil or gas industry? Or maybe you worked in construction or you're a proud Navy veteran. If you worked in any of these industries, it's a high likelihood you worked around or near asbestos in your lifetime. And if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma, you may be entitled to significant compensation. Our attorneys have been fighting hard for years to win our customers the compensation they're entitled to for their pain and suffering. So if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or mesothelioma, call right now for help. This commercial is paid for by Airtime Media, and I'm a non-attorney spokesperson. 800-814-5077. Again, that's 800 814 5077. To reemerge stronger and safer than ever, ask yourself these crucial questions. Should all restaurants, retailers, and venues have new safety and sanitation procedures in place? As a business owner, how can you assure your valued guests that proper protocols are being followed? How can you give your guests confidence knowing that you've prioritized their health and safety? Introducing VirusSafe Pro a revolutionary mobile technology software that provides checklists, reminders, and confirmations to help your team perform health and safety measures right on schedule. It allows you to close the information gap in the workplace by giving your employees a dedicated source of credible instructions in a timely manner, right from their mobile devices. Validate compliance with health and wellness standards, provide regular safety and health messaging, and confirm that approved protocols have been performed all in real time and an easy-to-read dashboard. Tracking and verifying health and safety procedures in your business has never been more important. To learn more about how VirusSafe Pro can help you reopen, visit VirusSafePro.com. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now, 800-451-1439, 800-451-1439, 800-451-1439. That's 800-451-1439. KSHP shows are now available on all of the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radiohead, and more. Simply search for KSHP on any of the major platforms, and you can listen to past episodes of all your favorite KSHP programs, including Sports Rock and Tours.